welcome to the, the TOVG podcast. Um, <laughs> you're trying to sell me something. something. <laughs> this week, our, our podcast is uh, brought to you by Japan. The, uh, yep. the, the, the glorious Nippon. Japan. Head to japan.com slash tribes to get a discount on all Japan things. That's not true. We're not sponsored by Japan. <laughs> Japan has brought us uh, a, a a person. They they shipped us a person. We have unboxed him uh, live right now. Oh my god, Liam, you popped out oh, of this box. The, oh my, the Japan wait, box. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't agree to this. I like living in Japan. Why would I why would I want to be shipped to America? This this is not right. Send me back. I mean, oh, don't don't diss, don't diss the country now. What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, I mean, being shipped in a discreet crate is probably the only way to get into America anymore. Hey, all right. Whoa. <laughs> Re- regardless of whatever like fancy, bad, poorly thought up metaphors we're coming up with on the spot, isn't recording a podcast to be released to an English speaking audience basically shipping your voice to overseas? So, Maybe. So, yeah, you know, that is true. I think about 15% of our listeners are from Japan. You're kidding me. You're, no. That's ridiculous. You're kidding me. <laughs> so you're, speaking because, to, uh, you're, spe- you're speaking to a good portion 15. of the audience then. Yeah. Holy um, crap. Matt and I just got back from Japan. Liam lives in Japan. You you teach classes for, I for do. babies. I, um, do. I, I just signed up for classes for, for hey, adult now. babies. Yeah, I know how to uh, I know how to make a thing a question by putting "wah" on the end. That's how it works, right, Liam? <laughs> wah or ka? Yeah. Ka. Oh no, no, that's right, that's right. Wah, <laughs> wah is what you slap onto what the most important word in a sentence is. Yeah, wah to, is to, the topic, to, right? The particle, which yeah. is really interesting. Like, like Japanese grammar at this level that I'm at right now seems like simpler than than Roman language grammar. Even though the alphabet seems much more complicated, <laughs> what like, you'll start to realize, I think, after a while, is that I and I mean, I am no bearing on how good Japanese is because my Japanese is fucking terrible. But um, the the one thing is about Japan is it's really really simple. The only time it gets complex is when it gets to kanji. So once you get like a, yeah. a good grasp of it, and you know the alphabet, um, as long as you know. What is the topic? Everything else mm-hmm. can be completely out of order, and it still would make sense to a Japanese person. Yeah, yeah. You just slap "wa" on on the subject, and then you put "ka" at the end as a question mark. Like "ka" is like a verbal question mark. Yeah, and and I don't. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's also not a lot of verb conjugation going on either. You can conjugate "desu," and and that's <laughs> really really weird. Like like. Desu is, it is in the present tense, right? But when you yeah. say it wasn't by negating it and putting it in the past tense in Roman languages, you just put like in apostrophe T. For Japan, though, <laughs> you have like a six syllable new word instead of saying desu in apostrophe T, instead of saying desut, it's <laughs> dewa, dewa, arimara, dewa, ariman. Shita? Oh no, I can't. Uh, dewa <laughs> so, arima shita. Like it's a, uh, you say a whole lot of bunch more stuff, whereas we would just put. Yeah, I see them more apostrophes as apostrophes like, and, and a couple new letters. I see them as like modifications. Like you've got like your present t- tense word, or if you're like doing something, like if you're eating, so it's like tabeta or tabemas. So then, if you want to like modify that to say you've eaten, 
you just put like a shtat on the end. So you're like, tabima shtat. And oh. everyone knows that you you ate. So in the past. It's just, in the past, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like, All right, so, I only see it as like so, modifications, kind of. So there is conjugation. It's just simpler. So Super simple. Essentially, um, to, to connect this to the theme of our podcast, which is video games. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you're saying is that conjugation on Japanese words is basically like unlocking things for your favorite gun in Call of Duty, mm-hmm. where it's like, Whoa. oh, see, I see, I have the uh, the AR-12, which is pretty good, right? But then I got the um, the like laser point uh, sights on the top that makes it a little better for aiming, a little easier. Yeah, and then also I got the um, expanded clip for it. So that would be the difference between saying desu and desunt. De, de I shi, mean, desu and you should teach Japanese, Jimmy. You should teach Japanese because so, I should Japanese through guns. So instead, what a good of, class of that would be. Building a tower of attachments on on top of your gun that make yeah. that shoot bullets better. You're instead building an attach a tower of attachments on top of the word that make it shoot bullets backwards and through time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you can kind of only add signs. one attachment to these Japanese guns because otherwise, then it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so it's a but pretty it's just, a, it's just a really complex attachment. Like you can aim at any part of the target and like 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 rearrange the the, the shots in the way you want, and it'll still make sense. Yeah, and what I like about Japanese is that you can just say that one word as well. Like you don't have to make a sentence. You can just be like, someone looks at you and they're like. Tabita, oh, tabimashita, just eaten. You're just basically shouting eaten yeah. at someone. And it's it like, just, that's all you need to do in Japan to get by. Like, that's what it everyone seems does. Like, 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 like the language is, structures its grammar in a way that cuts through the bullshit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it just like goes, goes straight to the point, which it, it, it just kind of sucks that there's like 100 different types of triggers and, and, <laughs> and quite a few of them don't pull the way you want them to pull when you're doing the translations. So there's no, there's, famously, there's no L. You got a hundred different symbols of the alphabet you got to learn, and not a single one of them can make an L noise. No. In Japan, they find it really hard to do, and obviously this goes into massive stereotypes over the years, but mm-hmm. Japanese people find it really hard to hear the difference in the sound between L and R. So when you say mm. something like, my name is Liam, but in Japan, my name is Liam, and it's an R sound. It's like, ri, ri, ri. Um, yeah. So, but they, the reason is because they just, they almost can't hear the difference. I don't know exactly why. Right. It's like, um, it's like that, well, to a lesser extent, obviously, but it's like when someone tells you that uh, F and TH don't make different sounds, and then you try mm. it, and you're like, do they? Do they not? How can I hear the difference? And then you ask yeah. them to say words with the just replace that letter. Can you hear the difference? Not really. I think that's that's kind of a yeah a general way to explain like people in Japan, Japanese people like kind of just can't even tell. Yeah, it's really hard because one of the biggest factors when you talk with Japanese people who can speak English is how do they pronounce certain words, like especially L words, if they pronounce it pretty good, it probably means that they lived in a different country for a while because Mm. Japanese uh, speakers who speak English who have only lived in Japan, they will pronounce every English sound that is an L with an R just because they only ever speak with other Japanese people. They literally could not spell it with the Japanese alphabet without it sounding and looking like an R sound. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But what's great about Japan is it's all phonetic, so it's everything's really easily readable once you know the hiragana. It seems a little limiting. Like, like okay, on top of the the, the L's, there's also this thing with the F's. They they have an F, but it's always attached to a U. They, they have a symbol yeah. for the food noise. So you have yeah. places like Mount Fuji and in cities like Fukuoka. I think I have a bottle of sauce in my <laughs> in my cabinet that's uh, Meifuyo yakisoba sauce. But you never see FL or, or FA. So you can't say flapjack or well, fly. You, can, it's, you especially uh, couldn't say flapjack or fly. You can make like an FA or an FO, but... It's not that common. You have to sort of use the foot symbol and then a sort of smaller O or A in Japanese. Um, but it's not that popular. And it's only really used for katakana. So translating words that are F-A or F-O sounds in English oh. into katakana and then not that, using them. Is that the case for, where you give the symbol like the little tiny buddy under underneath yeah. it? Yeah, that's, that is yeah. it. Like, you see the big foot, which looks like a big sort of wave, and then a tiny thing oh. being crushed underneath I, it. I thought it looked like a grumpy old man. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, um, real quick, we've been getting notoriously bad at doing this. Welcome <laughs> to the TOVG Podcast. Oh. Uh, who introduced you is George. Hello. Uh, my name's Jimmy Sunder. We got Matt Visual, as usual, and... Our guest Liam, Hi. that we did introduce <laughs> without introducing ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. So you might not know who we are or yes. what they do. This is a podcast mainly about video games with a lot of fun small talk in the start that trade that often tangents into ten minute Japanese lessons. Yeah, often, <laughs> often, often. Uh, without even giving a proper introduction. Liam, welcome. Hi, thank you, thank you very much. Thanks for having podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, uh, Liam, you do a podcast called Final Games that I was on a while ago. And in which you uh, have people go down a list of, of, if not their favorite games, then the ones they'd rather have with them forever. Yes. Uh, oh, you you, you can yes. bet your top dollar that MGS3 was high on my list. Indeed, it's a podcast about coming to a deserted island, and if you were to go to a deserted island forever, what mm. eight games would you take with you, uh, and why? Eight. So it has sort of devolved, as George said, it's sort of when I sort of came up with the initial concept, I did think everyone would just choose their favorite games, but now people sort of see mm. it as a practical exercise to sort of, the idea now is like, shit. I have a lot of time on this deserted island to waste. Do I want a yeah. game yeah. that narratively so, so is very practical. limited? Or maybe do I choose a game like Minecraft where I can yeah, endlessly absolutely. have amount of time? So it has sort of devolved into that now. Super Mario World is like the first game that comes to mind. Just I like, was going to say Super Metroid. Like, I have to have Super Mario World. So, mm, yeah, but, you sort of have this... forever. Yeah, you sort of have this balance now where, like, because it's split into eight games. So some people tend to look at it like, well, if I choose four games of nostalgia and then four games that are going to provide endless replayability or maybe be you're able to sort of engage your brain for longer periods of time. So stuff like Minecraft and stuff like that. I think that's pretty good. Mm. That's a good balance. Yeah, that's... It's a very interesting thing because like Super Metroid popped up in my popped up into my head because I've seen enough speedruns that I could theoretically play the game enough times to enjoy the story, exhaust that, and then just learn speedrunning for the rest of my life. 
And that's the funny thing is we have people come on the show who are like, oh, well, I want to achieve this. Um, so I, I keep using the Minecraft example just because that's one of the most recent ones. But the idea of, you know, if you go to the island in your 20s and you you luckily live for another 60 years or so, um, mm -hmm. like you have 60 years to build this massive Minecraft project. Um, right. But no one's ever going to see it. So mm. are, you, are you content? I'd with, still do it. Are you content with being able to be the greatest super metroid speedrunner and no one ever know about it like like okay with the minecraft like am i going to be able to install mods how good is this computer like, yeah, what, what, like what's going on with this uh, uh, with the okay. setup so, here so the rules of the sort of mode. The, the rules keep having to be changed all the time as we have a variety of different games pop up but so the idea is that you can have everything that you need or you think you need to the point where as long as it's not going to be used as a tool to get off the island, it's okay. So mods is fine. Um, Interesting. But we're going to monitor. Like in Minecraft, we'd have to monitor because if you're like writing out your coordinates or help me messages, then we're going to we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to shut that down. So wait, if it's there's like an evil organization monitoring your communication, then it's not really a deserted island. It's more like an island prison. Yeah, maybe I, I like to see it as kind of a, I'm the dungeon master of this island mm. and I'm sending these people here and I will watch from afar as they just play eight games repetitively for the rest of this, their days. This is like a weirdly specific Truman show about eight video games. Can I bring Dolphin? Can I can I just bring Dolphin? You just still have to pick a game. That's No no no. That's, it just no, not, not necessarily. If right? you have well, one yeah. executable that plays multiple games, does it still count? Yeah. <laughs> right, is Kirby exist. Superstar, does that exhaust See, my entire thing because no, it's eight games in no. one? So what happens is if you can find like a – this kind of excuse the rules a little. So you can, if you can find like a retail – something that was sold at retail that is mm. multiple. So like for example, mm. like Kirby Superstar or uh, Shadow of the Colossus and Ico – the dual HD pack, right, right. like that's kind of okay, to the extent where you like could the pick Na Namco Ooh. old school yeah. games Ooh, pack. So I could yeah. have the MGS HD collection. You could, you could also have like the Super Mario collection, the All Stars collection, right. and All Stars pack. Yeah. That's a that's okay. a real good one. So you okay, can have you can have stuff like that as long as it's be sold at retail. But when it comes to having like emulators and being able to just fucking have every game ever made uh no unfortunately not <laughs> so no online too right i'm guessing no so you can have online oh, because yeah. the amount of games so you you can have online but you you can't you can't communicate so if you could play world of warcraft <sighs> if you could play world of warcraft and enjoy that game without the element of being able to talk with people you raided with then that's up to you but say if you chose okay. Street Fighter and you played a heck of a lot of Street Fighter games online and you never needed any reason to communicate with someone, then that's totally a good choice for you, right? Yeah, I would definitely be bringing Street Fighter in an MMO, like to start off and a Super Mario World. So I just have See, to you're building a good arsenal. list already, Matt. You're building a pretty damn yeah, good like list. There's, you you got you to gotta get a good you know, uh, genre spreadage going on, you know, some, some yeah. variety. And gotta get that spreadage. Yeah, get that spreadage for your bread. Yeah. See, I feel like you might have changed the rules though, because I put Rainbow Six Siege on my list, and you were like, "It's okay as long as you don't talk about getting off the island." 
You can still talk about doing some some cheeky breaches. So and, no, when and, we uh, eschewed the no 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 George George come on now we eschewed the rules <laughs> we eschewed the rules on, specifically yeah. for you because you you spoke about how important speaking is in that game right so I changed the rules live on air as they would say to allow you to do that as long as the trust was there and you did not mention you were trapped on a deserted island as far as you know. <laughs> dude i'm watching i've been watching ever since what if someone is in a server with other players and they like write out their coordinates in in bullet decals well that goes back to the minecraft thing if you're trying to spell out where you are i think yeah. the, the, the only times i've ever really considered someone being I'm free. God, I sound like a terrible human being. But the only time I've ever considered someone being free is if, for example, uh, a recent guest chose Kerbal Space Program. And mm. that's a game notoriously difficult for actually succeeding in. So you build mm -hmm. uh, like rockets or spaceships and you try and essentially fly into space. Now, if you could actually build a rocket and succeed and then you could fly off the island... And you'd spent all that time. I mean, that's worthy of some sort of, some sort of redeeming. That's, that's the respectful nod yeah. from the uh, from the overly powerful bad guy who's like, you know, I can beat you down right yeah. now, but you got spunk, yeah. kid. I see, I see. I see what you did there, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. You so say you're free, um, but if you were just spelling out your coordinates in bullet decals, I think that's not it's not worthy enough. There should be a Netflix original series. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Restworld. The more, the more I think about it. Well, Netflix, contact me. Let's talk. Uh, so we we are eighteen minutes in and kind of sort Speaking of, of talked talk, about yeah. media of video games. But what about video games themselves? Uh, any anyone uh, here like video well, games? I I can offer up stuff I've been playing if nobody wants to go first. Oh, take, take go it, ahead, Jimmy. Take it yeah. away. I'll just be quick because I've only, only really been playing one thing that was interesting. Yeah, I played more of the Duck Game beta, Ooh. and I figured out I figured out what <laughs> what it's all about. What's it all so, about? Remember, I told you there was a progression system added. Yes, you can make the uh, towers of attachments on your guns now, right? No. Um, so you get experience and you get, like I said, like I got to level one and I got an egg and I don't know what the egg does. So I was talking with Landon about it and then I went back online and played some more. Essentially what it is, is that little corner of the screen that is your room when you're matchmaking. Mm -hmm. What you unlock with the experience is uh, visual stuff to change <laughs> your little room. Can so you, you can unlock tables showers, showers. Uh, no you can only put one of each item as far as i can tell unless you like, get multiples or something <laughs> i don't know how it works but like i was matchmaking i found people with crazy rooms and i was talking with landon he's like it, it was actually back in your your interview that you had with him forever ago he also said the same thing and he wanted people's online matchmaking rooms to essentially be like their trucker's cabin that's like or trucker's cab where it's like you look in the cab of a of a trucker's like semi and it's just like strewn with like bobbleheads and like weird knickknacks that like that make it, it that's what it is. But the best part is the more you level up, and Landon told me he did this on purpose because he wanted to keep taking the joke farther. The more you level up, the more absurd the leveling up becomes. It's like level one is just a little green bar. 
and like fills up and boop. All right, cool, great. And then you get to level like three and a second experience bar appears. So it's a bigger experience bar and it's red. And when that fills up, you get to roll a lottery to get a random item. <laughs> oh my God. And then, <laughs> this is a parody of the bullshit. And then when you level up again, after you do your first lottery, uh, a blue experience bar appears under that one, which is longer. And when that one fills up, it unlocks a calendar and it starts <laughs> cycling through days of the week on like a little oh calendar. God. And like the first day was a Tuesday and it was like, like, uh, Tuesday is your day off. And then the next day was Wednesday. And it was like, payday, you got $150. Use this somewhere. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I couldn't find where, where I got the money, where it showed how much money I have or how much to use it. And, I think that there are more things in that. That At that point, a little prompt that was like an XP box turned into my entire screen of just like, here's all of the things that you're that's happening. Like three XP bars filling up, calendar pages flying everywhere. There's a little like, there's a little like toy, like wooden toy guy. And it just says like press X to talk. And you hit X and he says like, he just says like, hello human or something like that. It's like really weird. And that's like all he does. That's he just takes up screen space for no reason. <laughs> it's really funny. So, so what, what Landon has done is is looked at one of those old images of like hilariously cluttered mockery concept huds and made them real. Yeah. Oh my it's god. Great. That's like that sounds like the opposite of my jam, but also the humor sounds like a, a complete George jam. Yeah, it's completely tongue in cheek and like, 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 like a picture perfect mockery of what I hate the most. It would, I think, it would be hard to not, uh, to like not get the joke. Yeah, uh, it's pretty clear once the calendar showed up that I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like this is fucking terrible, and it, it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's about all I've been playing. And Diablo three, which is probably a bad habit, but you know, Diablo three sounds like what he's making fun of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kind of, to be honest. Got your Paragon levels, got your regular levels, got your ancient gear, got your stats. Yeah, you know what? That's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I playing was, both sides of the spectrum this week. I was thinking of Let It Die when you mentioned there was a calendar where you have one day off. And, yeah. And, and, like, I've always hated that mentality of looking at otherwise good games as just kind of grinding factories and... And the concept of like slapping a calendar on with a day being your quote unquote day off is yeah. is hilarious because like video games are what you want to play on a day off. So yeah. so so what does it say about the situation when the game is so work like that it gracefully allots you a day off from playing the game? <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what the other calendar pages do as I go through them. Uh, I'm going to try and play a little bit more this week. The people online in the Duck Game Beta are obscenely good at the game so <laughs> it's kind of hard to level up because they're getting more experience for wins but um so i'm a little confused yeah, i'm a little confused doing. here D yes D this is duck game that came out last year duck game right yes so now it has like this whole brand new sort of <laughs> rpg system thing around yeah. it it's like a mock progression system with just like totally just a bunch of visual like aesthetic um 
stuff. It's, it's okay. a cosmetic uh, unlocking system that's a parody of cosmetic unlocking systems. Uh. Yes, and he's been working on it for a while. Uh, to be honest, it's a good system because even if it's a joke progression system, progression systems still feel good to complete, even if you're not completing anything other than just playing the same game you're playing. <laughs> so I'm sure once the final version is drops that the regular player base is going to go up by a slight margin at the very least. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I had a lot of fun He's been playing on that this game. for a long time. Yeah, I had a lot oh, of fun it's playing. It's like the best game. Yeah, it's really fun. So I'm kind of intrigued to maybe to play the beta just to have a reason to play that game again. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, it's good shit. You know, hmm? I was about to ask a really stupid question. Sure. Which, which is Duck Game popular in Japan? But then I started thinking of a, a less less a question than more glorious concept and that is duck game japanese arcade release let's make it happen we already have left for dead arcade cabinets over there (laughs) imagine the fun of of walking into an arcade with you and your buddies and playing duck game on a cabinet you can't do that in the states so you might as well do that in japan god i would that would be intense yeah duck game cabinet I, I bet they would really love it. They, they love Smash Brothers, right? Right? Who doesn't love Smash Brothers? <laughs> In terms of, like, these multiplayer action battle arenas, they're really popular. Duck Game's not a demanding thing. Just get a laptop and, like, build the cabinet around that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, well you, you can rip the Left 4 Dead arcade cabinet control scheme and just take those Razer keyboards or whatever it is they have on those arcade <laughs> yeah, machines and just, just, just and use it for the duck yeah exactly <laughs> you just use that for duck game i didn't mention it on the last podcast but like the other game i spent a lot of time with in japan was the left for dead cabinet and it's not super great you just kind of play left for dead with bots unless you buy one of the the three to five dollar <laughs> game cards to Oof. unlock the multiplayer mode they they have hilariously swapped a lot of the character models out for more uh more more Japanese appropriate audiences, which never stops looking awkward. Well, like how so? Uh, they just literally swapped one of the characters out for like a tiny schoolgirl. Wait, and, and, <laughs> I'm in. And swapped I play Left for Dead again. Several other characters out for for like tired, depressed salary man and <laughs> other other that such, like a great game such game archetypes. Well. Yeah, you also. You know how I said that uh, and when I was playing Metal Gear Solid Pachinko, I I never wanted to lose a game harder in my life? Yeah. The Left 4 Dead arcade machine is, takes the number two spot for that. Because just putting in one 100 yen coin in there has you sitting there playing bot modes for like 30 minutes. Jeez. It's not longer if you do well. So I uh, really kind of wanted to get out of there. It was cutting into my appointments. I had a schedule to meet. And... Also, with, with with Left 4 Dead, there's a lot of time spent kind of waiting for, for your partners to, like, get you out of whatever jam you're looking at. So there would be a lot of moments of, of the AI not being able to, like, catch up with me and, and, and shoot me out of the, 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 the liquor zombies ropes. It was weird. It was weird. Said liquor, and I thought, like, like hard liquor. I, uh, I... I wanted a hard liquor after after dealing with an hour of that. Anyways, yeah, no, I mean, Duck Game. It would it would probably be be easier to adapt to the Japanese market than than Left for Dead. There have been uh uh less 
or more anachronistic projects that have made the switch. Uh, have there? Yeah, like Left 4 Dead. There was a Half-Life oh, I mean, 2 arcade machine. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. That's the, really weird. The yeah. thing is, though, the one thing in Japan that is surprising is competitive games on don't do that well. Really? Games that, I thought yeah. they were the hottest jam right now. No, so obviously you have like Street Fighter and stuff that sort of goes against that. But the stuff that is mostly popular, and that's probably why Left 4 Dead is over here, is that cooperative stuff is like what Japanese people like to play. That's why games like mm. Monster Hunter are so popular. Just because That's Japanese true, people yeah. like working together to like obtain <laughs> a goal sense. or something like that. Um, yeah. The competitive doesn't really... Even when you see, uh, if you go into an arcade now and you see like the giant like Gundam uh, versus stuff, it's like team battles. Mm. So it's like a team of people against another team. So oh, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. pseudo right, like that, uh... competitive, but... Actually, it's uh, it's you and your friends yeah, working together to take down something. I, I, I was going to use that as the primary counterexample because when you walk into any of those arcades, as I'm sure Matt can attest to too, like there's rows, rows of of Gundam and uh, Final Fantasy, and and I think yeah. there was even a Dragon Ball themed team they're, battle they're, arena. They are and all team based. They're all yeah. guys getting together to floors. do stuff. There are floors of just like fighting games. I mean, and. They they go on there to kick your ass. Like I got my ass kicked a couple of times. And they're always really nice about it. I go over there and like, oh, like thank you for like kicking my ass. And they're like, oh yeah yeah yeah, it was great, it was great. And then I walk away. But well, yeah yeah, it, it, it but it's not. I guess uh, you. I wouldn't say like they're always on it. Usually the machines that are filled are like the music games and yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's definitely popular. Oh my gosh, you go up to the top floor, it's like high level music games, and everyone's <laughs> on there on a different level that you just do not see here in the U.S. Yeah, like when you see those videos of like, oh, Asian level, quote unquote, whatever, like that. It's, it's true. I, it's kind of true. It's, <laughs> it's kind of true. When you when yeah. you walk into like when you walk into an arcade, like a local arcade, and you see like a a 16 year old like Japanese high school girl who has like a pair of gloves on and you're like oh I wonder what she's gonna do and then she plays like Mai Mai and her hands move at the speed of a god you're like yes I feel like a decrepit old man I feel like <laughs> life isn't even worth living compared to what that girl has achieved in that one game I'm yeah. never gonna match that fucking Japan <laughs> but, they, they, like, come, they come after school every day and they just play they that one game Holy crap. But, like, rhythm games in Japan are kind of the only reason arcades are still around. Arcades would just would not oh, survive so? in Japan based on the games that aren't rhythm games. Because they're on mm. the only ones that are kind of popular at the moment. Like, obviously, there's no Street Fighter V cabinet. I think that's a telling sign. Which is super weird. It, yeah, that is awkward. So, but you think it's telling, like I think it's telling. I just think no one plays that. Like no one would play that anymore. Like the old guys who went to arcades in the past to play Street Fighter, you know, they play online and stuff like that. They don't need yeah. to go to the arcade. Um, but the people who are going to arcades are young people who want to play rhythm games with their friends after school, like Matt said. So um you get the people who turn up to do the team based stuff on like uh Gunslinger Stratos or uh, mm. Final Fantasy Dissidia and stuff like that but they're like three or four machines that are in every arcade you don't see anything yeah. really outside of that 
Yeah, I, we even have uh, Gunslinger Stratos over in uh, the round one near me. Um, and it's like same setup, four on four, like back to back cabinets, like very team play oriented, not really meant for single competitions, you know? Oh, uh, Matt, the round one at Stonecrest opened. What? We out. We, we out. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got, a, got an Uber to catch. Round ones are fun, though. Go there, play some arcade games, and then, then karaoke afterwards. The Atlanta one has really depressing Google reviews so far, though. There's a, Never mind. a guy on Twitter who says that it was just bad for the opening weekend and that we should totally go, but don't get your hopes up. Okay. Anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> all I've played all right. this week, because the, the day job reared its ugly head again after months of being dormant, and I had a big project mm -hmm. to do. I'm totally late on my video, I'm exhausted, and I'm also trying to maintain a normal person's sleep schedule, which means unlike when I had super stressful day job stuff going on years ago and I just didn't sleep and still pumped out videos. Good this luck. time, I, I just, I don't know. Either it'll come out tomorrow or Sunday. But I got I got a script for Metal Gear Solid Pachinko. I just have not had the time to edit and record it. Uh, in the meantime, though, I have somehow found time to stream the PC port of Bayonetta, which is really good. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's really good. Bayonetta itself is just really good. Yeah. Right. The PC port has some weird frame stuttering situations going on that I would not be surprised if they're more related to streaming the game. I and uh, in, in a few busier levels, I noticed it didn't necessarily like frame dip so much as a weird hitching stuttering issue was going on. And I've noticed that happen when I'm streaming games for like four hours at a time. Like that's when when the stream itself starts to die and is like, okay, George, you gotta you gotta restart it. You gotta splash some water on the face of 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 your software here. And Bayonetta, on the other hand, tends to do that after like ninety minutes, which is no time at all in comparison. So I'm wondering if that's an issue that happens if if you're playing by yourself in your own natural habitat or not, or if that was just me streaming. If that's just a George problem. Either way, Bayonetta is still really good. It's only like $20 on Steam. The PC version is totally fine. It's it's Bayonetta at, 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 a, at a slightly higher resolution. Yeah, uh, I should probably play that. The cutscenes look really, really good in HD. The, the cutscenes in Bayonetta always uh, had like some, some really nice sense of composition and, and depth of fielding, and seeing them blow that up with high-quality models into HD is a lot of fun. I've been playing on mm -hmm. streams with Spanish subtitles on with like one-in-one -one friend conversations happening. And and it's it's a super fun game to stream to as well. I have a lot of the combos memorized, which is not even that big of an accomplishment because so much of playing Bayonetta is just mashing punch, kick, punch, alternating, and then dodging when attacks come in. You just do that and talk about some fun stories with your friends, and everyone has fun. They're really fun streams. I've been deleting the vods though because I'm sure I said some stupid bullshit that I don't want people remembering me by. But they're still fun streams. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it is like one of the best games of all time, in my opinion. So agreed. I'm happy to hear the PC port is good and I'll play it eventually. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm going to get uh, sucked down a hole of playing through Bayonetta over and over again. This is something like my fourth or fifth time through it, I think, because you, you, you don't unlock the super duper hard modes unless you finish it on normal. And so I've played through the Xbox 360 version on normal once I know. I played through the Wii version on normal once I know. And I think I've played through either one of those on hard. Because when I was going through it this time, 
I had memories of there being high level tough enemies in earlier levels that that I would not have had memories on unless I also went through one of those versions again on the hard modes. I've never played on the hardest mode of all time though, and I I I I I want to. <laughs> I like so that. So you have you you you've never reached like fighting Rodin. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert by the way. Uh, it's more like a to. it's more like an extra part of the game. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. But but I've, I haven't done a run on on infinite climax mode, and I think that's what they Ooh, call the hardest difficulty. Infinite in this one. climax mode. Wow, yeah, they're really hitting it hitting it hard there, huh? Bay- Bayonetta has mm-hmm. no subtlety. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs mode. Yeah, right. That's our medium well. difficulty. <laughs> Naked mode. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> you want to go down the hole, George? Let's go. Anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to delete another VOD again. <laughs> I, I I might have uh, lingered the camera too long on 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 her walk animation for me to keep that VOD up. <laughs> don't don't worry. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have found themselves in the same position. It's fine. The game has really good animation. Okay. <laughs> No one's judging you. I was just appreciating how well <laughs> made the animations either. are. Oh. Yep. Yeah, now you can move on. Now, yeah, now you yeah. can definitely... What, 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 other, what other games have you guys played that you want to talk about? Um, if, if any. Mostly Persona 5, I guess. That's the big thing that's sort of out. But I also started playing... Mm. Um, what is it called? Wonder Boy. The Dragon's oh, yeah. Trap on the yeah, Switch. Yeah. By Dot Emu, right? They're getting good. Yeah, yeah Dot Emu used to be such a such a mark of shame, and now it's now it's okay. They're doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I basically wanted. I mean, I've exhausted all of the Switch options <laughs> currently, so mm. getting another game for the Switch was kind of. I was like, okay, let's do this. Uh, it's pretty good. It's um kind of short um and clunky but it looks really fucking nice and looks really good on the switch screen um mm-hmm. like animations they completely remade it right yeah like but th- it's just, it's weird it's kind of this weird remake where it's the old game that's running but just with like new artwork that I, I, don't know, I don't know how perfect. to describe it like it, it, you are actually playing the 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 older game you are playing wonder boy 3 um but it's just got new art but you can sort of prove that by toggling between the actual old game and then the new art. Mm-hmm. And it does it like seamlessly and everything is like one-to-one in exactly the same place. And the it's almost like nothing's changed. You are just playing that game with new artwork, and which is pretty cool because the game is really fun. Oh. I, I think a lot of people don't like that concept, but I'm like, I'm like pretty into the idea of if a game was solid mechanically it was fun yeah if there were no major issues to just like like a fresh coat of paint kind of thing like yeah. what they're doing with the brood war um i don't know a lot of people say that like oh you're just selling the same game but like a lot of people want the same game and are cool yeah. with that like halo uh, i wouldn't necessarily want uh super metroid redone in visuals because i think that game visually is halo anniversary uh, had the same dealie going on, and I don't remember them facing any controversy or backlash for it. 
Yeah, it was a it was also a pack that was compatible with Xbox One and everything in like modern resolutions. So and it had the toggle like, button, and I actually have not button, had which was firsthand experience crazy. with the toggle button. I love. I, I bet I would spend a lot of time. I would quote actually. Let me correct myself. Waste a lot of time just like yeah. toggling back and forth and and getting into the specifics exactly of yeah. So you know, yeah. like I've changed. been doing that. I've been doing that in Wonderboy just to see exactly sort of. If what's happening on screen in the new version, like, quote, new version is, like, the same on the old one, and it, it is. But what's kind of cool about this is, like, you can not only, like, switch the visuals, but you can switch the music as well. So it has, like, mm. the modern music, like, all the brand new oh, like sort of orchestra. time mid-song? Yeah, and the retro oh. music. But you don't have to change the visuals. So you can play the modern visuals with the retro music. And that's kind of how I've been playing. Mm. So you oh. get all the wonderful chiptune music over these beautiful, like brand new artwork it's really cool this, this sounds like an almost terrifying like time paradox like like you're breaking something in the space-time continuum <laughs> I, it, uh, it does create a weird sort of thing in your brain where chiptune music or sort of music of that era doesn't match up with modern visuals very well um mm. it's like almost makes the game feel really empty i don't know why of anachronisms um yeah. It's just kind of a weird juxtaposition between the two, but it is kind of a cool feature. And uh, although the game's pretty short, it's actually really fun to play. So I would recommend it if you want something else for your Switch and you need a reason to play it <laughs> and you finish Zelda or something. I'm looking at some footage and it looks like the backgrounds actually might be the one aspect that is most changed from the original. They 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 switched between... The old and new style with the toggle button and the background on the new version has like this uh, particle fog that has parallax scrolling layers to it. Yeah. And none of that stuff is on the original. That's really neat. Yeah, they've definitely added in like sort of more visual stuff in the background. But in terms of like the enemies that are on screen and the obstacles and the objects that are all sort of exactly the same and the way the characters play is uh, pretty one to one with the original. So. Uh, it's pretty good. Like, I think it's, I don't know how much it is. I think it's like $15. Um, it looks really nice. Like the one thing is like, I've been playing it in bed, like before I go to sleep on the switch itself. And I think it looks really, really, really nice. Mm. That sounds so comfy. I, I finally yeah. had some hands-on time with the Switch uh, during this Japan trip, starting at the baggage claim in New York City. <laughs> and it was just, like, eye-opening how much more fun it made waiting for, for bags at the baggage claim. Like, all that anxiety over whether or not my bag would even show up and, <laughs> and, and all the wasted time that that stuff usually feels like just fizzles away. Yeah, my favorite, uh, favorite joke about that was someone, after the last Nintendo Direct, was like, imagine... Imagine, like, the possibility of being able to play Payday 2 when waiting in line at the bank. That sounds terrifying. What if someone, like, <laughs> sees it over your shoulder and, like, calls exactly. 911? That's the point, George. It's a joke. I know what I'm... Oh, Humor. I, just, don't... I, I get it. It's scary. <laughs> so, got any other um, games we uh, want to chit-chat about? I have played nothing. I've been buried in a terabyte of Japan footage. So, terabyte 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, ever since like that that the Deus Ex video was recorded before I went mm, to yep, Japan. Yep. Same thing with my uh, Night in the Woods. 
Yeah, so I came home, finished it, and just like dunked my head full on into some Japan footage and trying to make something out of it without killing my computer with all this 4K. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Is that practical? Listen, listen. Quality, Hmm? quality. Hmm? Okay, Mr. Weedman, quality. Well, you want me to upload a video in, in, in 480p? Okay. No. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> my name no is Matt Visual. Okay, not just Matt. About my 720 Visual. 30 videos. <laughs> In fact, one of the weirdest comments I think I ever got was like complimenting me on it. Oh my god. Like I, I weird. You, yeah. I was going to say, your vids are in 720p 30 frames per second? Sometimes. When, when I don't have time. I. Mm. <laughs> I think you're lying because there's no way that Total Biscuit would watch any of them if that was uh, the case. <laughs> Got him. Hey. I swear I saw a comment once that was like, I really love Super Bunny Hop and how he doesn't how he doesn't make them 1080p 60 FPS if they don't need to be. And that's like the weirdest thing I think that any like, human being has ever been complimented on ever. That's very super weird. unintentionally backhanded. Yeah. I I guess he like thought that I was prioritizing timeliness over over fluffiness. Mm. You know, you know, Matt Visual, you know, you know that problem like like killing your computer waiting all day for a video to render versus no. just just getting the point across and having it done. Hey, listen, listen, this has nothing to do with, no, quality, quality. <laughs> <laughs> my my old puppy is just still trucking after two years. It'll do so just Matt's fine. So Matt's played nothing. I've only played Bayonetta. Jimmy's played Duck Game. Liam's yeah. played Wonder Boy. I think, I think we're good to go. Yeah. I think good we're, to go uh, on to the news after the after, short break. After this <laughs> message from our sponsor, Japan. Performing for you. We're forward. You know the words you can join in too. Uh, so, in terms of news topics this week, we uh, are going to start Put off with your hands a, together if you want to clap. clap this which your author you sounds through. like a huge ass. Clap. This news <laughs> recap. Yeah. Okay, that works better. Oh. So, all right. Sorry. I saw a uh, article. Very, very shortly after I got back home, that was a interview feature with the two authors behind uh, The Witcher and Metro 2033, which was extremely interesting. They're both um, like Eastern European novelists coming from very, very different perspectives because of what I feel is a vast, vast generational and ideological and economic gap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but Andrzej Sapowski. I don't know. And Matt, in your video, uh, you just Zavkowski. straight up Googled it. Yeah. Zapkowski. <laughs> Zapkowski. Uh, he has always been like a grumpy old man poo-poo face. 
who, who <laughs> doesn't like video games and people who play well, there them. there goes getting him on the podcast ever. <laughs> yeah, oh, like he would agree to it anyway. Like, uh, I mean, I think the, the article begins with a quote of uh, the 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 guy who wrote, wrote the article on Vice saying, um, so what, what, do, what do you think of this event you showed up to? How how are you enjoying it? And he's just like, yeah, they just asked me to show up. And I guess I did because it's expected. Whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> Why does he sound like Roz from Monsters Incorporated? Because he's a grumpy old man who who's seen too much <laughs> shit. I maybe I don't know. He um the the interviewer does make a point that in person Sapowski sounds more like uh, less like like a grumpy asshole than he does like a guy who's old enough to just get away with sounding blunt. Like mm. uh, I don't know if you've ever if you've ever hung out with with like old people from New England. <laughs> They, uh, it's it's that uh kind of Bostonian New Yorkerish uh sort of cadence to it where they're just like, "Hey Marge, turn the radio off. It's annoying. I hate it." And you're just like, "Ah, it's it's." Oh, Daryl. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, oh, are you are you eating right? Now? I'm sorry. Are we are we uh interrupting your eating? Right oh no no i'm just uh i'm, I'm, I'm multitasking oh okay, okay yeah go ahead go ahead yeah sure <laughs> okay in between bites andrews spowski <laughs> uh, thinks that the video games don't have very much storytelling potential he says how much substance can there be in, in the lines of text when the hero walks through the woods and talks to a squirrel where's the literature in that there's the room for depth or sophisticated language with which games could elevate culture. There's none of it. I feel like this is the most, like, if there was, like, a champion statement for clearly not understanding what it is that makes games games, it's that right there. It's like, that's, like, literally, like, the guy who's like, what? But this Skrillex song, where's the guitars? Where's the guitars? How can you How have can music you without, without guitars? guitars? You can't have a single yeah. song without a goddamn guitar riff. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Where's the human part if there's no guitars being played by hands? <laughs> hands that have seen work. Like, no, fuck off. On book to game adaptations, he says... It's hard to say no to an adaptation that comes with a lot of money. Perhaps only an idiot would say no. You know, you know he's, he's I mean, basically Yoko. He just wants to make money and live live his life. And, Which and, is fair. And piss people off in the process if he wants to, too. Just because it's probably fun. But, yeah. like, um, the, but, the one... Th- I, th- I think you're probably going to go into it. But the one thing that was just... I think it's almost laughable is the idea that he thinks he made the games popular. With his book, uh, I, I mean, not he wouldn't be he, wrong he, objectively. Did you read the Witcher books before you played the Witcher? Not before playing, but after, and I noticed that the games had a wealth of good stories to pick and choose a good video game story from. But that's not about popularity, though, is it? That's like no, and and I think like. Of all the things I could disagree with this guy on, that that he, he seems adamant that he actually has not gained or lost a whole lot of book sales from the popularity of the games, which which yeah, to me is absurd because I bought the books because I liked the games and and I never would of, have otherwise. It does sound a bit like George R. Martin being like, the TV show did nothing, 
It did. It did nothing for my books. My books were already popular. It's. It's almost like he's kind of bitter Bullshit. that he had to rely yeah, I, on. Yeah, this that has other to be media. like just a straight up lie or an incredibly yeah. delusional person who like <laughs> genuinely thinks that this. Oh, suddenly I got a huge spike in sales revenue from this thing that's been out for ten years. I. I guess people just decided they liked it because of. Because of their own judgment instead of a huge marketing campaign behind an adaptation of it being brought to a more popular audience for a more popular medium. People must have recommended my book to their friends. That's definitely the case. That's definitely what it is. Yeah, you got all these sales from people like me who are like Americans who hadn't heard of The Witcher because it's not popular on my side of the planet up until video games, which are popular on my side of the planet, decided to make an adaptation of The Witcher and it was a good one and... And then here I am, I'm a new fan, and uh, the exact quote um, that he says is, uh, I think the results would be about equal. If anything, there are more people who have played the games because they read the books. That's my count, but I'm not sure. I never did any studies, because he, he frankly doesn't care and couldn't give a shit. There was a, and I don't think that he has to. There was, but also, I don't have to respect the things that he's saying. Yeah, no, you know, you're, you're allowed to be an asshole, but... But we're allowed to call you an asshole too. Yes, he did. He just straight up doesn't give a fuck about video games. Like he just does not care, mm-hmm. does he? I mean, there's probably some justice in the world because I also straight up don't give a fuck what he thinks about video games because I still thoroughly enjoyed both the games and the books, despite the guy being an asshole, which is something I try to do when I consume media is not think about how big of an asshole whoever made it might be. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's not like it's, it's not like the guy is advocating for 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 racial genocide. He just doesn't like video games. I don't. Yeah, I couldn't which give is a like shit. totally fine, right? Like yeah. a very it, minor it, offense. Yeah. I mean, he's almost seventy, so like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I just decided to bring it up. <laughs> he's but, far um, out of the target demographic. <laughs> right. Speaking of the target demographic, they also interviewed another. Another guy who, who was a, a hip that young, games. young young man uh, who released his novel for free on the internet at the age of seventeen, which I did not know. The guy who wrote yeah, I didn't I didn't know any of this about Metro. Metro twenty three, uh, Metro twenty thirty three is based off of a series of novels. Well, at the time I think there was just one, but since then now there are like fifteen. But um, wow. the guy okay, who wrote it looks quick. Uh, 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 fun story. He didn't write a lot of the sequels. He outsourced them to fans, which is like what I love about this Vice interview feature. It's called a a a no bullshit conversation with the authors behind The Witcher and The Metro is that they have such perfectly opposing opinions to one another. Yeah, it's really amazing that they happen to just get like the exact opposite sides of the spectrum for this. <laughs> Dmitry Gluklovsky is the guy who wrote Metro 2033 as a teenager. Andrew Sapowski mm-hmm. wrote The Witcher like while he was middle-aged, and, and he published them as novels sold in stores. Metro 2033 was published on the internet for free, and later got picked up very, very quickly actually, from a game developer who wanted to adapt into a game. And, uh, Unlike Sapowski, Glukowski straight up says, I'm already part of a generation that has not judged video games as poor entertainment. They can easily be a piece of art, depending on who's created, creating it, what his talent is. It can be utter trash, and it can also be a piece of art. 
Mm. which which is an opinion I'm much more happily agreeing with. Uh, on Book to Game yeah. Adaptations, he says, I was not at all judging video games as a danger to my precious property. Quite the <laughs> contrary. I thought it's a great opportunity to promote the entire IP, and that was exactly the way it works. Which I would say is also exactly the same thing that happened to The Witcher. It's a great opportunity to promote the books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you think if you were, like, Zabkowski, you would just, like, embrace it, right? You would like, think, you would think, but he's a grumpy old 70 year old man. Like, I don't know whether he's like playing up the persona of being a grumpy old man because he goes to mm-hmm. conventions all the time. And as you said, he sort of just, it's required of him. You totally would not put up with hundreds and hundreds of fans coming up to you being like, I'm such a big fan of the Witcher series. <laughs> I've only played the games. Mm-hmm. Like that would be soul crushing, right? Yeah. So you must One thing that he says okay he it. did find soul crushing was, was how many young people show up at the conventions, I guess. I guess he wants his game, his books to be for grumpy old people, <laughs> which I don't know, man. Like I've read them. They're really, they're really fun. They're like funny, rollicking adventures through a, uh, like kind of, kind of cynical fantasy world that, that makes like edgy, but also depressing Eastern European versions of, of old grim fairy tales. Uh, anyways, I, I also want to point out a bit of context. There was another interview with, uh, Sapowski that, that released a week earlier, revealing that he actually has not made royalties off of the game oh yeah when they first pitched him on it they just gave him a lump sum because granted both him and the developers themselves did not expect the witcher game to turn into a hugely successful international right sales breaking phenomenon i mean he's probably bitter about that it didn't even do that until with The Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. Well, Witcher Two, I like think. It was, I think Witcher, <coughs> like Witcher Two was was big, but Witcher Three is like yeah, massive. massive. It was yeah. massive, yeah. Because I mean, if you played The Witcher One, it's pretty. A let ch- I like ch- check it. your words. It's, check it's, your words. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 it's, in you're in fanboy territory it's, here. It's you're wading into piranha infested waters. It's right pretty now, good, right? It's good. It's good. Yes, I will it is. Good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But the, yeah, but now, the jump, now I like what I'm hearing. The jump between The Witcher One and The Witcher Two, in terms of so many things, was massive. So I can sort of expect that. Because I remember seeing CD Projekt Red's booth at like Gamescom in Germany in like 2011, and I think they were showing off The Witcher 2 for the first time, and it was tiny. Like those guys were still, right. even after The Witcher had come out, they were like essentially like nobodies. Because The Witcher had like both Polish and English voice acting, so I expect- it also had like seven fans. Me and Matt are like one of those seven. Yeah. <laughs> so those guys didn't. I imagine expect, as you said, anything, anything at all to come for a bit. And I imagine they didn't have the ability to offer him royalties. Right. If you, if, cause the, 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 the appeal. Seemed like a good idea at the time. It wouldn't seem like a good idea. Like we're going to offer you a lump sum. So here's the amount of yeah. money right now, or you can take a chance on a very tiny, small company. Um, and we this will essentially give you- like, some royalties maybe if this pans out so essentially the game dev equivalent of like well i don't have any money to pay you right now writer but you know once we launch obviously it's going to be big so you can have money then yeah like no one's going to take that yeah no one's going to take that especially when the company is what CD Projekt Red was at the time, which is this tiny Polish developer that no one knew about. So, Lukowski, on the other hand, who I'm guessing is still young enough to have idealism and youth and optimism, and also not a lot of bills, uh, 
is is ready to just hand it out to whoever. Uh, he says, parallel to the Metro stories written by Gluskiovsky, there's an official trilogy of those, but there's also a franchise of dozens of books set in the same universe. And uh, he he basically lets readers who are fans and who are good at writing to become contributors to to make sequels to the official Metro continuity. And uh, funnily enough, when he wrote his own sequels to Metro 2033, they they were not the sequels that the developer wanted to make. When they did Metro Last Light, they did it with... Uh, like collaborating and consulting with the author, but it was a new original story. His own sequels don't follow the same characters going on the same adventures. And both games are really good. If you haven't played them, give mm. them a shot. Uh, I mean, according to the man himself, he says, I think Metro 2033 is the world's first lyrical, sentimental, and philosophical 3D shooter. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> philosophical. Philosoph- philosophical. Yeah. I also live in a world where Half-Life 2 was never created. Or Deus Ex. <laughs> or Riddick escaped from Butcher Bay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, Metro 2033, in a lot of ways, I feel like is almost a spiritual successor to Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. I forgot about that game. It's so good. It's such a good game. And it's basically Metro. It's a it's a set piece linear cinematic shooter that also has like really complicated stealth sections that 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 have you tossing physics objects around a highly interactive world. Anyways. Hey, speaking of. I have no segue for this. Uh, remember when we <laughs> talked about a really cool trailer last week? Yeah. And we were all like cautiously optimistic and like, wow. Yeah. This looks neat. Hey, Liam, did you see this thing? was prepared to dine and it was like, maybe it's going to be like Soulsy or whatever, but like oh, with a cool art oh, style. No. It's none of that. It's us. not that. It's Animu. It's, it's, it's not even like. working as intended. It's middle of the road Animu. Uh, that teaser trailer like some looks anime way better games, than these but, screenshots. I just I feel betrayed. Oh, I feel wow, that's intense. Can, can, can you can you send the a linky? I oh, want to see this tragedy. It's it's, it's on they the have, outline. Yeah. They have definitely they have abused oh, the power of souls and the beautifulness what comes with dark yeah. souls and such. To it does feel a little dirty. They, they've done it well, understandably though. They they got me interested in a thing I would not have otherwise been interested in. I feel like I basically am proof that whoever is the marketing guy at Bandai Namco is doing their job well. Yeah, but well, that, that like interest yeah. has disappeared now, right? You're not going to play that. Absolutely. So absolutely. They, all you've done is piss someone off. But who now I know what it is. I would not know it otherwise. Like I've seen footage of God Eater. I've heard people talk about God Eater. It sounds like something I have game. no idea. I, I it sounds like something that was really not up my alley. Like I don't I don't like. Grindy I, games and it's I, based I off Monster really Hunter. Monster Hunter is a grindy it was like, game. It was one of the PSP games that came out towards the end of the PSP's life. Mm. Also, and it's I a PSP re- game, and I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Well, there's there's a sequel that came out in Japan that is on PlayStation Four. I'm not sure if it's out in the West, but there is one that came out on PlayStation Four as well. That was pretty good too, um, but it is sort of not very well known. It's kind of basically a Monster Hunter clone in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, see, that's um, what I really don't like the sound of. Yeah, not only that, I, the aesthetic is garbage compared to the trailer. Like, on its own, if they were just like, hey, look at Code Vein, I would have been like, 
Yeah, it's kind of neat, like post-apocalyptic, really anime style. Like, not super into it, but all right. Kind of reminds me of like some of the shit I saw in Ninja Gaiden and whatnot, like the 3D Ninja Gaidens, but like more vampire-y. But but, but they they did that after this beautiful teaser that was like oh, impressionist just, oil paintings in motion. Just so gorgeous to look at and i was like if any part of the if the game looks anything like this i'll be satisfied it doesn't, doesn't i'm not satisfied it, that this is really this is really disappointing it is it is straight up anime it's like anime but a little little i like the arts the art style looks really good for like an anime art style but i don't know if i'm interested in the game as much as i was when that trailer came out with that uh really cool side strolling dark souls thing that was going on i lost about 95 percent of my interest in even seeing what this game's about see no no more at least uh, we'll know what people are talking about when i see headlines saying code vein in them yeah and and i feel like that's that's what their idea was like let's appeal to souls fans what what okay now that we've appealed to a few of them we got like a few of them to 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 fish out of the pile. Yeah. What sort of worries me even more uh, is that when I looked at the screenshots afterwards, like all of the backgrounds looked just copy and pasted from God Eater. Like oh, the yeah? post-apocalyptic mm. city is almost exactly the same. And the way the game played was super corridored. Like you basically would just go through all these areas of closed off high skyscrapers that looked ruined, which was really boring. Um, so it doesn't look promising either from a gameplay standpoint, if that's the sort of thing they're going for. I don't know why they would straight up copy that out of God Eater as well instead of going for this sort of Victorian feel they have. But it, yeah, it yeah, doesn't look yeah. good. The clothes people are wearing really clash with the environments in the background. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I think that's something I didn't notice until you pointed it out. But they have this like hyper gothic semi like victorian yeah. steampunk thing and then the world is like it's it's a skyscraper with a crane on it and i'm like that doesn't it it's anachronistic it's like if you took if you took like dante like original dante from devil may cry and then like exponentially increased him by 10 magnitudes and then put him in like the regular world instead of the one that he was meant for wait no because actually i've no because I think a good point would be that near Automata has a very Victorian-looking Lolita in a post-apocalyptic world. So I guess and it still it, looks weird but as hell. It, but, it, but it also but it incorporates the post-apocalyptic thing into it. Like it's it's not this contrasty. There's there's yeah. like a through line between the themes. Well, that that makes me like just I mean, upset. If you're saying, saying like, vampires, right? hold up, hold up. Near Automata is a perfectly reasonable example to compare to. Like Near Automata is balls to the walls weird, man. It's yeah, not. It is, it's but... not a standard to compare anything to. No, no. What I mean is that that's not a bad thing. Like in Near Automata's favor, like that's kind of a good thing. So, but we're kind of shitting on this for looking. At, very yeah. similar. Yeah, I, I think um, the shit comes from just uh, feeling misled by a teaser trailer, which is such a familiar story. Absolutely. Yeah. I will. I will absolutely own up to the fact that I am hypercritical because of the bait and switch. Yeah. So, so don't watch teaser trailers, kids. I broke my my rule. I, I saw something. 
I felt good that it was a thing that, that looked like something in my head I liked, but the thing that it was really an ad for looks nothing like the thing in my head. See, the thing is, my expectations were because, like, I have seen the Hyperlight Drifter trailer, which this reminded me a lot of, and the Naruto Boy trailer, which this reminded me a lot of. And both of those, the game is like the trailer. And I was, so I was like, cool, another fucking, like, rad-looking, like, super stylistic thing that I get to, that I get to like, mm-hmm. look forward to. And then it wasn't that. So, like, it was... I had seen it done before. So I was like, oh, I, it's realistic to expect that this might look like this. Given but, the, the styles that a lot of developers are playing now and the... The, the the vast limits of, of the technology we're working with, it's not unreasonable to expect a game to look like a beautiful impressionist painting in motion nowadays. Yeah, people have done it. It, it, it can mm, happen. Fucking Cuphead exists. Uh, anyway. Anyways. Not to derail oh, the conversation. I'm, 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 I'm sorry if I, if I shot you down, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just feel like the... Uh, we've seen the aesthetic recently. I don't think Code Vein is going to be anywhere near. I, I thought God Eater was a good game, but I don't think this is going to be a good game. It doesn't look very good. And sort of what Jimmy was saying about the the aesthetic is pushed way far. Like, these are like vampires. They're meant to be yeah. like blood-sucking vampires. So they are heavily... But they look so cute and friendly. <laughs> they are heavily steeped in the sort of gothic aesthetic. A lot more than like 2B is in there. Um, so it is a weird juxtaposition because God Eater environments were really fucking boring as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't look yeah. great. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Maybe, that's for sure. Maybe afterwards, after the podcast, I'll pull up a bunch of, uh, bunch of, um, near automata screenshots and just kind of look at them side by side to give me a bit of perspective. I mean, Cause I've only seen a little bit. I haven't played the game. Near automata's. Any screenshot of that game probably has a whole bunch of weird anachronisms going on in the frame. Mm. I like I I feel like playing the first one was was a good move on my part just because it got me and uh, my expectations to a place where I was just ready to accept whatever animu bullshit was going to happen on the screen and not be hypercritical about it. Like like her dress, it's it's ridiculous. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, it's still ridiculous, but I, I think later on mm. in the game that actually becomes a point in the story of how ridiculous the the aesthetics of everyone in that universe is. Speaking of getting to the point of the story where everything is ridiculous, Call of Duty is going back to World War Two, and that's news. That's oh, but that's like not ridiculous. It's it's to be expected at this point. It's so weird. Like so, usually, is that <laughs> so Battlefield. <laughs> made made a quasi quote unquote World War One game that basically looked and played like a World War Two game. And everyone requested in mass from from fan bases that I imagine aren't aren't that old to remember the glut of World War Two games that that happened fifteen years ago uh, for Call of Duty to do the same. Lo and behold, they did, and now we're now we're back to like square one in terms of the uh, the the creative ambition of of your AAA average military shooter. Mm. So so right now they have a teaser website up that's promising some some big reveal on April 26. For now they're calling it Call of Duty colon WW2, and that's I mean, like the yeah. biggest red flag to me is is how stupid that name is. 
Because Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3 and World at War are all Call of Duty WW2. That's true. Those are true statements. So in the future, when, when like historians are, are either digging through the rubble or like scrolling through the, the uh, holographic li- library links of, of historical yeah. literature, they'll be like, Jedi okay, which, which Call of Duty in the Jedi Archive is, is specifically the one from 2017 and not the one from 2003? They're both World War II games. They both kind of look and play the same, which is the... Oh, oh! I kind of have to squint at the fine print to know which sequel I'm looking at now. Yeah, this is like the equivalent of of Activision simultaneously making the movie Transformers while also being the company who rips off the IP and makes Transmorphers. This keeps happening. It keeps yeah. happening. It started when Tomb Raider was just called Tomb Raider. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they did this with movies a while ago. Remember when? Uh, remember when Rambo, recent Rambo came out, and it was just called like John Rambo or like Rambo. <laughs> but e- Rambo started on that stuff earlier because the first movie in the Rambo series is called First Blood. The second movie That's is called true. Rambo Two. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so like people were already confused, not even in the future for that one. So, so Sledgehammer Games is making this one. They did Advanced Warfare. Advanced Warfare is fine. People forgot about it real fast for some reason, though, which I feel is a little bit of a crime. But also, the point is, with Advanced Warfare, they're going into a future fantasy sci-fi setting where they can, like, play around with things like movement and and movement. So now that they're <laughs> dialing things back to a World War II setting where you can't get crazy with movement, I feel, I feel like, I feel like, like, this is really depressing to me. I didn't like Battlefield 1 that much, because I like having interesting crazy bullshit flying around the screen i i don't feel like my imagination gets as engaged as well in a historical fiction setting versus a sci-fi one but kids these days apparently disagree with me on everything i mean to be fair uh world at war was definitely one of the better call of duties that was made by Treyarch, I never right? even bothered it's to play it. It's one of my favorites. I was so it's tired of really World War II games even then that I didn't give it a shot. I mean, World at War actually spawned like the online Call of Duty mechanic that is that became the thing to like get your weapons and get your little tiny upgrades to each weapon and like you use weapons more to like get more stuff for them. That like literally spawned in that game. I thought that was Modern Warfare yeah, One Modern didn't Warfare. have that. I, I no, remember a lot of Modern meters. Warfare, in Modern it Warfare had War. like a stripped down version of it, but Call uh, World at War was like set the standard, and then Modern Warfare Two like followed up really strong. Golden mm. Age of what Call a, of Duty. What a contri- <laughs> What a what a glorious contribution to world culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of both glorious com- contributions to world culture and also stupid awful naming conventions Ooh. star Front wars two. The, the, the sequel <laughs> to 2000 what 16 15 battle star wars battlefront which is not the same game as star wars battlefront no that that's that's a different uh, game. A different game star yeah. wars battlefront right. is different from star wars battlefront i mean duh right 
has been announced, and uh, it's going to be called Star Wars colon Battlefront 2, spelled with, you know, two eyes like the Roman numeral. Funny thing is uh, that's... Which is not the same game as Star Wars colon Battlefront 2, spelled with two eyes like Roman numeral. That's the numeral, same which spelling they used game. back in the day, though, in, in 2005 for Battlefront 2 back then. Can't, like, can't they just get away with it being, like, like, Battlefront colon interesting subtitle that has to do with Star Wars? Battlefront Rise of the Empire. I don't know. Yeah, sure. But like, Battlefront uh, Imperial Resistance. Because yeah. in, in the big uh, reveal trailer, which actually wasn't that bad. Um, it was cool looking. They, it they, good. they go into the, the they, they really, really ham up the, the cinematic bombastic excitement of a single player campaign that has you playing as Stormtroopers, just like in classic Battlefield 2. What if they're the same Stormtroopers from that game's campaign? Just after mm. the events of the end of it, because mm. uh, it looks like the the starting point of the trailer is is the second Death Star blowing up outside of Endor. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's where I think the first Battlefront 2's campaign. That's so weird to say. Oh my god! I think the first Battlefront <laughs> 2's campaign doesn't go quite that far. Uh, yeah, I would rather developers get away with murder than get away with naming new games exactly the same as old games. It's just like, going to be annoying because copyright clause somewhere. It's it's just <laughs> annoying because like Battlefront Two is one of my favorite games yeah. of the PlayStation Two era. I like mm-hmm. had so much right. fun playing the game, and now future yeah. conversations where I'm like, oh, do you know what? I, I really fucking like Battlefront Two. Oh yeah, that that game was great. It came out last year, right? No, no, not that one. That that one's great, but not that one. The the other one. And hang on, hang on. Just and God, even worse. God damn it! Is you can't even abbreviate them because if you say BF two, like there's now there's battlefield oh there's a battlefield no. 2 somewhere yeah. right and then there's a battlefield bad company 2 yeah so bf2 can be like 12 games at this point like, they're all essentially the same game. it's like i wouldn't even mind if it was battlefront 2 sub like as george said subtitle like you can have the battlefront yeah. 2 just to tie people who played the one yeah in 2015 to now like just yeah. put battlefront 2 Imperial Resistance or something. Just put a subtitle in which I can just be like, Imperial Resistance, did you play it? Yes. Or they yeah. didn't even two, have did you the decency well, to, to like change to like Arabic numbers instead of Roman numbers. Yeah. Like, like at the bare minimum, at least give us a different <laughs> button on our keyboard to press. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's weird that they're they're finally using the movie characters now too. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. got Darth Maul and and who is the new villain again? Oh no. <laughs> Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, I, there they I are. honestly I I am interested much more in this game than I was in uh modern Battlefield One that they just got a Battlefront one. Fucking hate this stupid company. Um <laughs> the the interesting thing was I was talking with some friends who, who bought Battlefront New <laughs> and uh, New Super Battlefront U one, um, and <laughs> they were they were saying like my friend was saying like oh like like this one's definitely going to be better and I was like I mean it could be better but it's still EA and they're still going to load it with 
tons of DLC. And he's like, no, they're going to learn from the last one. And I'm like, it's EA. It's, it's electronic, or electronic Arts. They are going to pack it with DLC. And he's like, no, no, no. They're not going to do it as bad as last time. They're going to give you a good game, and they're going to give you like worthwhile DLC if they need it. And I'm like, mm. EA is going to pack this game with DLC. I guarantee it. I just hope that they they do learn like one thing and just launch a game with a fucking like decent start like chunk of content from the start like maybe like a full game's worth or something I don't know. Well, they're already going to be sating a lot of people by having a campaign there in the first place. Yeah, they also say and, which is not, not handled do... by Dice, right? Motive are doing that, so it's like yes, a game yes. made by two different companies. Oh, like, like in Hardline, sides. it turned out so well that time. But then again, actually in Hardline, it turned out better than when DICE was trying to do both. Um, they, they, they clearly did not give a shit about the campaigns in the Battlefield franchise up until Hardline. Also, quick aside, just because uh, Battlefront 2 of the previous generation <laughs> is also one of my favorite games. Such a good um, game. <laughs> that... That Battlefront 2, the one that we played already, has introduced, um, what was it called? Galactic... Conquest. Conflict? Conquest. 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 Because there's the Imperial guy in Galactic Conquest that tries to teach you the rules every time, and you're just like, fucking just skip. Um, (laughs) I love how stiff you sounded. That's how the guy sounds, because it's one voice clip that they play every time. I could hear your neck stretching. Yeah, uh, that's what Imperial... Uh, that's that's like... That is like a trope of being an Imperial officer, is the stretching stretch your neck, neck right? Yeah. yeah. Good um, for circulation. They would do well by the previous Battlefront 2 to also have Galactic Conquest in this Battlefront 2 with online play and the ability to conquest against people. They I think, don't personally. really hint at that so much. They, they did I clarify that there's going to be dedicated servers, space battles, split-screen co-op, that's neato. Uh, mm. But when you go to their website, they don't exactly list anything that sounds or looks like Galactic Conquest. No, I, I doubt they will yeah. because most most developers cannot identify really unique and interesting modes that were good one time that they could just totally and also bring back. everything takes more work to make nowadays. Yeah, but Galactic Conquest is legit. Just like it's it's a game board like a risk style game board of matches and if you own certain planets then you get buffs that you can use in game like that's not that far of a stretch from just matchmaking yeah but but money and certification and 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 bonuses and and it's a star wars game deadlines maybe it'll be dlc also kylo ren's huge nose uh made it made it through unscathed in their their render of him oh also, the other thing that I was talking with my friend about is he was saying that, like, they're going to learn from their failure with the first Battlefront. And I was like, there's no failure. They sold, like, 10 million in the first week. Like, they're good. They're fine. That's a success. It's yay. Also, like, uh, I will for- admit, I enjoyed the oh, fucking good. Fuck it. God damn it. The, the Battlefront game that came out when Force Awakens came out. <laughs> like, that's, that's the subtitle for that game. Like, I actually enjoyed playing that, but man, they really need to fucking put some stuff into the next one. Like, yeah. 
I, I, a like, lot of stuff. Like the stuff you could unlock as well, like all the different races, like the alien races, you could unlock their heads, but you'd have to play hours and fucking hours of that game to get them. And then it's they're not worthwhile whatsoever. Um, Especially so, compared to Battlefront a- 2 Classic, like that game is a level pack. Like, there's so much in there. It's just so much fun. And they... And it doesn't necessarily have a single player campaign. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Like, it gives you scenarios where you can play against lots and lots of bots or um, and just have fun. It's like, just kind of do that again. Like, you don't need to fucking tie everything into, like, a wonderful single player campaign. Just, like, make some sort of cohesive story that is fun to play over huge maps with tons of fucking Star Wars looking things coming at me. Yeah. Just do something. Just make some sort of content. That's all I'm asking EA, as well as name things correctly. Fuckers. I mean, yeah. Battlefield 1 is already itself kind of a dumb name, but but with that oh, one, they, they, they tried to scale back on uh, some some bloated DLC practices, and people reacted positively, I guess. Uh, so really, really quickly, let's uh, <laughs> blast through this, this story that... Um, Jimmy and, and Liam, you guys really wanted to talk about this. The uh, I thought it was very interesting. The the weird, incredibly contrived drama over over Kotaku having the balls to write an article about a documentary about how Horizon Zero Dawn was made. Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll just leave this one real quick. But um, long story short. Kojaku put out an article about Horizon Zero Dawn and sort of the game design tricks that it uses. Um, and it, they shared it with a GIF and that it got, you know, a lot of traction on Twitter because it's a really neat GIF to watch. Yeah. It shows... Um, let me scroll through the Polygon article to find the fucking term but, that they use. Basically, it's like Fulcrum Culling or something. Uh, oh, oh, of ful- course, yeah. Fulcrum, fulcrum Culling Whoa. is the term. Fulcrum. And so what it is is basically everything is, you know, things are loaded visually only when the player's camera is facing and can see them. And it cuts down on a load of processing and makes the game run a lot better and allows you to have a lot of more high-res shit that, like, can run at the same time because, you know, it's not actually running when you're not looking at it. Um, The trick that they used in, like, you know, a lot of games, it's it's pretty much in every 3D game, and that was quick to catch the attention of a bunch of game developers who went on Twitter and they were, like, for essentially kind of shit-talking Kotaku. Um, One of them saying, I'm not sure Kotaku understands how games are made. And the one reply, like, ha, huh, yeah, I saw that Jeff and went, yeah, okay, welcome to fu- Frust, at uh, Fulcrum. Frustum Culling. You can't even say it right. Oh, fuck me, right? Never heard of yeah, Frustum fr- Culling before. <laughs> Jeez, I must be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. And, and it's weird. Like, just to chime in a little bit on that, like, I worked, go for it. Go for I worked it. on a video game for three and a half years. That video game sort of being quite a big video game, it was GTA V, but, like, I'd dealt with stuff like this before like lord levels and loading in stuff when it needs to be and guess what this is the first time i've ever heard of the term frustrum calling like it never came up during like three and a half years of working on a video game it just that term itself never came up so what these devs then went and did was just like 
It's just so stupid. Just fucking oh, come on. Ba- it's oh, so It's the same thing when when like fucking like kind of cocky ass EDM producers are like, oh, didn't use the limiter correctly on this. Like, do people even know what a limiter is? Like, no, a lot of people actually don't know what a limiter is unless you fucking make music. Unless you fucking make games, you probably don't know what Frustum Culling is. So, that aside, Polygon wrote an article about those people talking shit about Gotaku that was like, yo, people are thinking that the thing you do is neat. Maybe stop calling them idiots? And uh, also, Dan Marshall subtweeted all of them and basically said the same thing. Dan's a good guy. I'm, I'm glad Dan did this. Yeah, and... Overall, basically, Polygon was just like, maybe this stuff isn't second nature to the entire world. And it's kind of interesting when, especially large game companies that often can't talk about technical side of things because of PR nightmares and just in general being told not to talk about those things just in case. Like, when they actually do talk about it, it's rare. And we get to see a glimpse at it, like, from behind the scenes. That's neat. I think it's like, let's embrace that. I think it's really good that that's happening more often nowadays. Like, a lot of the uh, behind the scenes material Nintendo released about the new Zelda is just like really uncharacteristic for them. Like, they're typically much more secretive about their development processes. And now it seems like there's much more general interest in how things are made. Fuck us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It gets more people interested in working in the industry as well. Like, When I remember when I sort of decided to go to university to study like computer science and like I wanted to make games, but I had no fucking clue how you did it. Like engines? What the hell's an engine? Like, I don't know what I'm (laughs) doing. Did someone tell me what these things are? Someone teach me how to do this. And like now we obviously have Unity and we have Game Maker and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, there are still terms and technical things that no one has any idea about, and it seems so incredibly intimidating. But then, if you look at a GIF that's like, "Hey, if your camera is pointing this way, you won't see all of this." That is so yeah, so good. Like that to your brain, you're just like, "Huh, that makes sense." But if you're yeah. like, "Well, yeah. sit down, guys. I'm going to tell you all about frustrum culling today," and then you try yeah. to explain that, it's just it's not going to work. Um, that's going to be my fucking hip hop. Group name, Young Trust and Culling. Yeah, I don't it seems see almost wrong like with a, informing the audience. Like, uh, uh, yeah, and it's a super digestible way too. Like, like even even still, like Frustrum Calling seems like a really pretentious way of just saying LOD. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe LOD, I th- well, LOD is slightly different. Like Frustrum Calling is meant to be not loading anything in if you're not looking at it, whereas okay. LOD is low is loading something in at the minimal detail that's the furthest point away from the player. It becomes more detailed the more you look at it. Yeah, so the closer you get to it, the more it'll pop in. So like uh, when we worked on GTA, we had like multiple LOD levels. So you have like LOD 1 to like LOD 4. And like LOD 4 is like the ugliest shit in the world. Like if you look (laughs) at those textures, like up close, they just look like fucking someone went into paint and tried to draw a building (laughs) and they had no idea what a building looked like. And then... (laughs) You get to like LOD 1 and it's all these beautiful HD textures and everything looks great. Yeah. Um, so there is a slight difference, but yeah, it's it just uh, it's so fucking cocky and stupid and there was no need for it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things uh, being stupid and not having needs for them, um, <laughs> we nice. have a podcast here that we got to wrap up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um. 
So, uh, first of all, Liam, if people enjoyed your your lovely dulcet tones on today's TOBG podcast, so you mean, where is the you best mean, place that they can find anything that you do so you or mean, whatever thing that you do? So you mean like zero people? <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed them. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of felt like I've rambled on about getting angry at other video game developers who <laughs> are just being cocky. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, so you can find me through a podcast called Final Games. Uh, you can essentially just Google it. Thankfully, it's award-winning I know, podcast. you can just fucking Google it. Yeah. And it it did once win an award, which was kind of cool. But um, yeah, Oh, that's neat. You can find Final Games uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes and various other podcasting places. It's As I said, it's a podcast where uh, various guests come on, like game developers, uh, games journalists, games industry people, and George. Um, George came on once. <laughs> and also George. <laughs> and um, they come on and they talk about eight games that they would take with them to a deserted place. They get to choose the deserted place, so you get uh, the choice of where you want to be stranded, but it has mm. to be from video games. Um, mm. I can't, George, where, where was it we stranded you? Uh, Kabushiko. Oh, yes. So the fictional world in Yakuza. Um, yeah, they come on, they oh. talk about the eight games, why they've chosen it. Um, sort of, we sort of role play a little bit about the island and like how, how you would survive and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. generally, it's a good fun time. It's great to hear game developers talk about other games as well. That's something that's become mm. one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, uh, if you I, enjoyed that, please listen to it. The Katamari Damacy, that that world, like um, that Ooh. might keep me in shape. Not being trying to get into that ball all the time, right? I think well, that'd I could, be a I nice could, world to be stranded well, on. Well, considering there. I can I can manipulate the islands to my will, I could give you the ball. Oh, I always like balls. Okay, it works. But you can't oh, go yeah. and well, God! Now, see, now we're getting into the technicalities that we appear that come up every week on Final Games. <laughs> Wait, which is, did you say actual in, balls? Because you cut out. Um, thanks to <laughs> thanks to the power of Discord, you cut out. So what I heard was balls. <laughs> so did you actually say you can give me balls? No, I said I could give you the ball, but oh, the, <laughs> but the ball. okay, the okay. ball. I could give you the ball, okay, uh, from right. Katamari Damacy. But the, but you could easily just roll up the island you're trapped on, and uh, just escape. So I'm not sure if we could allow that, really. Oh yeah, you're right. You gotta limit the trees I can pick up with my balls. That's true. With yeah, ball. I can make it God bigger it, and on. fly away. <laughs> hey, yeah. Matt, where can people on the internet see your balls? Um, at youtube.com slash standard. Okay? Standard. So you don't you get this reference. It's because no, it's, I said standard instead of stood on my review. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so there you go. From the Urban Dictionary, I am now standard. Uh, I changed my name because you can do that now. <laughs> Sorry, like it's just now coming together. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even realize it. Many people probably never realized it, but I now I can't get that. it out of my head that standard. I said standard. I don't know why I was drugged up on no sleep, but that's what happens when no you have a, a job a and another job and another job. But yes, that that's my YouTube channel. Yeah. Where can we find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at SunderCR, where I do everything, and uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash SunderGamer, 
where I talk about video game design. I have a video that is coming out, I will say, within seven days of this podcast going up because I got behind schedule because I got freelance work. But it's a video on game feel and combat, making it feel good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Made me feel good, Jimmy. I uh, wonder if you uh, watched those GDC talks about screenshots from, from uh, Vlambeer. Uh, uh, from, uh, what is his name? Oh my gosh. It's, uh, Jan Willem Neyman. That's it. I practiced that name like 30 times last night because it's Dutch and I'm not very good at it. It sounds really Dutch. fake because you said Neyman, like name at the end. Like you were just making it up as you were Neyman. Yeah, that's his name. It's human name that's his name <laughs> no um i think it's actually a bit more of an i like naimon i don't know it's it's a it's subtle it's dutch i'm not dutch i'm russian but um but yeah i'm gonna do that and i did i did watch that talk and i watched a couple others on game feel the, the juice it up or juice it or lose it that was a good talk um employ a lot of those concepts in my my video so yeah go watch that sometime soon George. Uh, I'm youtube.com slash bunnyhopshow, and I'm trying to get a video out on Metal Gear Solid Pachinko that I said last week would be out on Thursday, but then then I had a huge project to take care of in my day job, and everyone on Twitter chewed me out. They said I should just start a Patreon instead. Good news, everyone! I'm going to start a Patreon soon. So, so congratulations. You can finally stop com- telling me to start a Patreon. Also, I really like a, yeah. a tweet reply I just saw to uh, Sunder's tweet on expectations versus reality. Someone just replied with with a picture of a guy opening a book that says, yes, but huge fucking anime titties. Anyways. <laughs> so so yeah. you, win a, you win a little, you lose a little. At some point in your life, you might play Metal Gear Solid Pachinko and want to lose a lot. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. me in a nutshell. But anyway, an hour ago we were like, "Let's go for, let's go back from the break and go half an hour. That'll be good, right?" So, uh, yeah, go watch all of our stuff. This podcast has been really long. My room has gotten extremely heated over the past two hours. Very heated discussion. Um, yeah, heated discussion about fucking. Why buy a space heater vein. when you could just have a heated discussion? Hmm. Wow. Food for thought. Anyways, let's uh let's get out of here. The bush. Bye. Bye.
All right, are we all ready? Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right, let's... Uh... Oh, Matt, you're there, right? Matt? Matt. Matt. Matt, 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 Matt. Hey, Matt. That's disgusting, Matthew. I can't believe you would say something like that about that group of people. All right. Oh, what just happened? I came in at a weird moment. 